Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler season with us. New cards. Welcome to episode one of Spoiler Season Guilds of Ravnica. I'm Ryan. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts today for uh, this exciting show where we're going to be reviewing all of the new cards. Uh, before we get all started, the, uh, spoilers. That's uh, Hence the, the yeah, name of yeah, the podcast. That's true. Um, so before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, New England Comics, you can find on Facebook at NEC Coolidge, and uh, Flipside Gaming, you can find it at flipsidegaming.com. So let's let's go right in. Katie, the first card I'm going to let you take. This is a giant green creature. It is green, 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 seven, for a 1616 worm called Impervious Great Worm. Wow. Uh, it has Convoke, so this means... Actually, th- this is the first time we've seen this mechanic in a while, so I'm just going to yeah. read the reminder Please, text. take us through it. Yes, Convoke. Your creatures can help cast this spell. Each creature you tap while casting the spell pays for one generic mana or one mana of that creature's color. And this 1616 creature has Indestructible. Wow. This is that buy box promo, actually. Interestingly enough. Oh, this enough. is the new Nexus of Fate? Yeah, I'm sure it'll see play as a four of in a, you know, <laughs> a standard deck. Uh, I mean, go ahead. Like, so ten mana that you can convoke a sixteen sixteen indestructible is like not that much, but you'd really much rather that it had trample. Well, I don't know. I think you would. Yeah. Too right. Like, I have a hard time imagining you would play this over Galta. Yeah. Which like is like pretty similar in that it's a. Tw- I mean, it's huge twelve twelve, but it has trample instead of indestructible, and it. It doesn't really have Convoke, but it has something that's probably usually better than Convoke. Yeah. So Unless you're in like some sort of like crazy, I don't know, Sapperling deck or something. Yeah. And I guess Galt is legendary, but... Uh, yeah, but I mean, once you have one, like that really should the end the game. Yeah. yeah. So you have to place a really high value on Indestructible and not care about the Trample. So. Right. Or like have spells that give Trample. Like, is it Song of Fire Least? Does that give Trample on the does. last one? It does, yeah. So, that but I mean, good. it's funny because it gives mana, it gives mana, but like... So then the Convoke is kind of not, like, necessary because all your creatures already yeah, have mana. I, yeah, it's it's certainly more of a reasonable power level for buy a box promo than Nexus of Fate was. Yes. Uh, in that this will probably not see any play in standard. Mm-mm. So that's a That's a reasonable here. power level? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I can say. It is completely yeah. unplayable. Or, like, super niche, super niche play. Well, yeah. Do you think Nexus of Fate will continue to see play? Yeah, because it kind of saw play for a weekend and then died. Yeah, I think it'll it'll be around. Um, I mean, Teferi's in the format still. Uh, so like, as long as Teferi's in the format, I think Nexus is a playable <laughs> card. <laughs> Teferi's so good. Okay. Yeah. Next we have uh, a, a, a sorcery, uh, black black three, for macabre hatchery. This is choose a creature card in your graveyard with converted mana cost one. Then choose a creature with converted mana cost two and a creature with converted mana cost three. Return those creatures to the battlefield. Huh. So you get one more mana cost than you pay for. Yeah. Um, But you have to have dumped things into your graveyard somehow. Or things would have to have died, but that's that's worse. You want to really be dumping things. You can do things like, you know, in older formats, you can go... Bring back Viscera Seer, Malira, Kitchen Finks, and you just auto combo right there. That's cool. Um, 
Yeah. I, it's just like it. it's probably worse than what the deck is already doing, so like, I don't think he would play it. Um, but what we've seen is, and we'll go through some of them later, but the, uh, the mechanics in this set and guilds are really, really graveyard-heavy, graveyard-based. So it feels like um, if you can stock rates graveyards efficiently, then maybe you could play a card like this if there's some kind of combo in the set, which there could be. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this will be pretty good and limited because if you just have some incidental graveyard stuff or later in the game... Well, but well, later in the game, like you're for, bringing back stuff that doesn't matter. feels like for limited, you're not usually going to get back a one. You yeah. get back like a two and a three. So you're paying five. And I, I do think it's reasonable because you're paying five for like two bodies and you know five mana so like that seems reasonable and you're picking the best of the two uh you really just do want to make sure that if you're playing this though you're taking advantage of graveyard stuff so like your creatures don't necessarily have to die in order for this card to do something that like hopefully you can fuel out um the graveyard regardless yeah yeah good so that was macabre hatchery next we're gonna go up to our first demir card this is Thought Erasure. It is blue-black sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. And Katie has our first new mechanic. Well, aside from Convoke. Our first uh, next. Well, well this a new, is the first brand new mechanic. Brand new Convoke mechanic. is yeah. returning, yeah. So the Demir mechanic is Surveil 1. Uh, well, Surveil. And you can Surveil in different numbers. But Thought Erasure has Surveil 1. Look at the top card of your library. You may put it into your graveyard. So before we talk about the card, what do we think about Surveil as a mechanic? I, I like Surveil a lot. It's like Scry, but it's fueling graveyard stuff. This is a set that's going to care about graveyards. So this is exactly where you want to be. I agree completely. I think that um, Surveil is really strong. It's like in yeah. almost every case, it's going to be significantly better than Scry is, especially in a format where we have Search for His Kanta, mm -hmm. and we have, <laughs> yeah, like Special Search for His Kanta, oh. and we have all these, like, Golgari cards, and we have Narcomiba coming back, which we'll get to later, um, but, like, all these cards that, you know, want to fuel the graveyard, this is just Scry that also fuels the graveyard, and yeah. we've seen how, like, how nice of a mechanic Scry is, so Surveil just even better. Yeah. Even better. And it's nice that it's like very intuitive. It's going to be extremely easy for players to pick up because it's not that different from things that we've played with recently between Scry and Explore. Yeah, and new players are often reluctant to put cards into their graveyard mm. uh, from their library. Um, but hopefully with the prevalence of things like Overgrowth and Jumpstart and some of the other mechanics that we'll be talking about, um, this might not be so feel bad because they're like, oh, yeah. I put like a Jumpstart into my graveyard. Like that's what I want to be doing. Like, okay, cool. So it might help them to understand that a little bit better. Yeah. So Thought Erasure, what do you think? Well, Transgress the Mind um, saw play. And Transgress the Mind was a CMC of three or greater, so it was a little more restrictive, and it did not scry you either. Uh, it was also monocolored, whereas this is blue-black. Um, so it's a little. this is a little bit more narrow, but this is, in most cases, going to be better, I think, than Transgress. Transgress did Exile, uh, whereas mm. this is just Discard. Um, but actually, you know, especially in this set, in this block, Exile, might be, Exile more might be more relevant. But I think that the Surveil upside is just so high. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm excited for the card. I think the card will probably see play. Uh, Duress still feels like a popular option against like control decks. But if, you know, these kinds of hand disruptive cards are usually nice to have in the sideboard, um, as long as blue-black is reasonable enough or easy enough to splash into 
mid-range decks, I could see running some number of these as well. How often do you think people are going to be choosing uh, Doomfall over this just for the Exile Clause? Doomfall actually rotates. Ah! I know. It's so sad. I really like Doomfall. Doomfall is a great card because one of the downsides of discard, right, is that if you draw it in the late game, it doesn't do anything. Um, whereas Doomfall was just always on, right. um, and it exiled, and like it gave you the flexibility. Like when it was either one could be good. I, I think the design of a card like that is really, really quite nice. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm also really excited about Surveil. I, I enjoy any kind of mechanic that helps to lower variance and increase the consistency. So things like cycling, uh, scry, Surveil, all these mechanics are nice. Yeah, um, nice to have in the game. I think. Agreed. Next up is Boros Challenger. This is white-red for a 2-3 human soldier. It has Mentor. This oh, is Mentor. Our, uh, another new mechanic. So Mentor is, whenever this creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on target attacking creature with lesser power. And it has the ability red-white 2. Boros Challenger gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Mm. Um, so you can pay that you know as many times as you have four mana. Which is a substantial cost, but it's nice that in the late game it can be a little bigger. Um, it also synergizes with itself for Mentor. Yes, it's a little bit easier to uh, put the counters on something else because there are going to be very few other things that you have attacking with one power, which is the only way that they get yeah. uh, a counter. I like. Okay, so what do you think? What do you think about Boros Challenger? I, I so I very much like this in limited. Mm-hmm. Um, for constructed, I mean, two for two, three is a competitive rate yep. for an aggressive deck. Definitely. Four is a lot to be pumping it, but we don't, it's, it's so hard. Like we don't have things like Bomac Courier anymore, but I'm like, well, like you can mentor Bomac Courier. Well, we have fanatical firebrand still. Yeah. And I think that like going turn one firebrand. Oh, but this doesn't have haste either. Right. So it's going to be turn three that it's swinging, which is like pretty late. Yeah. Because that's the big question in standard, right? It's like if the red deck can still be playable because Chain Roller is still a really good card. Yeah. Um, and it, the issue seems to be that like it's missing a decent two drop because we're losing. Um, oh, man. It's been a while since I've like looked <laughs> at the deck. Uh, we're losing like Earthshaker Kenra. Uh, we keep Vyashio Pyromancer. Um, we're losing Kairi Zev, we're losing Heart of Kieran, we're losing Scrap Heap Scrounger, oh. we're losing a lot of good twos. Yeah. Um, and so we're looking for some, you know, reasonable twos. Now, Boros Challenger could be a reasonable two, um, and Red-White is going to be one of the combinations that manages to actually keep out all of its color, its mana base. Because we lo- mm. are losing the Cycle Lands, and we're losing, um, what else, the Fast Lands, right? But we're getting shocks in red white, and we already have uh, the che- all the, the full set of checks. So red white is going to have the red white check land and the red white shock land. So you can run, you can go four four, and then some number of planes or something. And hopefully there'll be a gold land in Ravnica, um, and then you can play this on two. And then like this is like a reasonably difficult card to kill um, with three toughness early on. So, in combat, at least. Sure. Um, so then, you know, you're making your other stuff a little bit bigger, uh, and that, that could be good. Um, yeah. I, I'm just really skeptical that it's going to make the cut, because I think it's going to be kind of hard to trigger Mentor. Like, four is a lot to pay to pump what this. Do you, no, no, no. You just make you one just, one bigger. 
Yeah, yeah. But how many one ones are left for the red deck? Is the it just deck? Firebrand? Uh, well, well, right now I think it's just Firebrand. Sure, sure, sure. But, but we don't know what's coming. Also, if, so you know, we've seen heroic reinforcements kind of pop up, and if we get more tokens, if they become and like yeah. even things like the new Rabble Master, uh, which that's true. It's good oh, with tokens. How does this I didn't work think if about you have that. multiples. If you have multiple Boros Challengers? So, like, if you have, uh, so, like, yeah, let's say you have two Boros Challengers and you have a 1 1. You swing with both, you get two triggers, no other creature attacks on target attacking creature with lesser power. Does it check? So, if both triggers go on the stack. Does it check on resolution or on. Or on target? On, like, yeah, on triggering. Because then you might could cheat if you have multiple mentors. Because then you right, get to go like Rabble Master, make a token, swing with Rabble Master and Challenger. I keep calling it Rabble War Boss. Sure, sure, sure. War Boss and Challenger. Put two plus one plus one counters on it, and now you have three three creatures, which is pretty good. Yeah. That's something we'll have to check. I don't know. I'm not sure how. I think it. Yeah, I think that should be fine. Because it doesn't say anything. There's no ifs. So it's when it attacks, uh, you're targeting the creature with lesser power, and then you're fine. So I think that should work. Yeah, so if you have multiple mentors, uh, you can kind of get one quick burst of power when they attack, which is nice as well. Yeah, that's cool. But we'll see. Red-white hasn't been, been you know, the best, even with things like Path to Metal, uh, like, has kind of fallen out. But maybe it'll come back. Boros is a pretty aggro deck, so... Wait, is Path to Metal still around? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. It's It's the red white flippy. Uh, Yeah. Flippy dippy. Yeah, I just like, I don't remember what sets things are from, so. Sure. It's like hard to remember what's rotating and what's not. Sure. Uh, Next card is Necrotic Wound. This is black, instant, undergrowth. Another. Is this a new or returning? So it is a mechanic that we, it is like, we have seen this before. It is the first time it has been given an ability word, a name of undergrowth, but like we've seen it a lot. Okay, cool. Things, yeah. All right, so undergrowth. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. That's pr- pretty strong. Yeah, this could be a one-mana removal spell for quite a lot of things. Yeah, uh, the one thing is that it does have deck-building restrictions, right? Yes. So I can't play this in my control deck if my uh, control deck is, like, to fairy based control right, right yeah um, i was like if it's demir you can yeah. have thought this is a kind of and... card that like delirium would love to like black oh, green yeah. delirium back in the day like would have would loved this great. card because this is going to usually just be black kill a creature exile a creature which is right you know, exile. nice so yeah this is something to watch if you're playing a uh, one of those these graveyard matters decks taking advantage of um surveil and undergrowth and mm-hmm. all these things uh like soul tie kind of strategy it seems um, then this card seems like you might might be interested in playing some. Yeah. Very nice, too, that it's at instant speed and uh, makes the front end smaller. Because if you want to do some combat tricks, um, you know, you might not have to lose your guy, even if you can't do minus X for the full toughness of the opposing creature. Yeah. Can... And exiles it no matter how it dies, right. too. So. so, yeah. Cool. Something to keep in mind. Next like is a card that I am... Oh, wait. Quick question. Yeah. Do you think that could see play in Modern? The, um, the cost is competitive. I don't know. And there, there are lots of ways to dump cards in your graveyard in Modern. Yeah. Um, I think it could, but I think it's unlikely. Because I think that the deck-building constraint is pretty high, whereas Fatal Push is going to kill almost everything in Modern. Um, sure. 
like the things that Fatal Push misses that it wishes it could hit are like Hollow One and the Delve Threat, so Tassiger and Angler. Uh, those are the big things that it misses. Uh, Necrotic Wound could hit those, but you need a lot of creatures in your graveyard. And like graveyard like synergy decks don't always have a ton of creatures, aside from like if you're playing Dredge, but Dredge is trying to take the creatures out, out of the, of the graveyard. graveyard. So it's just this weird balance. But Necrotic Wound, because of the exile, right, we've seen Path to Exile in Modern be the premier removal spell of the format, primarily because it exiles, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to exile Bloodgast and uh, Flame Wake Phoenix and um, it, anything, right? It's just exiling is so good because there are so many things that recur uh, or that have die triggers or, you know, voice of resurgence. Um, so Necrotic Wound being able to exile these cards for a pretty, you know, giving something minus two, you know, voice of resurgence, all the cards I just listed, have like two or less toughness. So this is often going to be a sufficient. So yeah. Then it becomes, well, is it worth it? Right. So we'll have to see. I'm not super optimistic. I think that usually, like, push and path are just going to be better. Yeah. Um, but I could imagine, Michelle, where you play this card. Cool. Next is a card uh, that I'm the most excited about oh. from all the spoilers so far. Um, so this is called Sinister Sabotage. It's blue, blue, one, instant, counter target spell, and surveil one. This is an uncommon. Uh, so again, surveil means that you get to like scry, but if you want to put it on the bottom, you instead you just put it in your light, your graveyard. So back in Theros block, we had dissolve. Now dissolve was blue blue one instant counter target spell scry one, and dissolve was great. Uh, dissolve was my favorite three mana cancel variant up until disallow, which I think disallow edges out dissolve because of the interaction with planeswalkers, uh, just being oh. able to. Disallow, Disallow ultimate. Yeah, uh. Disallow was, I think, just a. It's just such a good card. Now, Sinister Sabotage is Dissolve, but better. So we should expect this card to fall kind of between the strength of Disallow and Dissolve, uh, which means that it, Dissolve, which was already quite good, this is going to be quite a strong card. It fuels search for his Kanta. Uh. Um, it yeah, I mean, it's just great. It fuels search. It like uh, fuels your jump start if you're in blue red. It fuels. Just any graveyard stuff, like, it's, I love it, I love it. And you're getting a scry out of it, too. Like, you can keep it on top if you want. And that's something that control decks really, really value, particularly because usually you're trying to hit land drops or find a removal spell or a counter spell. Like, all your answers, especially in standard, have to line up, like, pretty well. Um, and you don't have these kind of catch-all answers. So uh, Sinister, Sinister Sabotage helps you to kind of dig through your deck, while simultaneously fueling your graveyard. And um, that was something that Dissolve only did one side of, right? Yep. So I'm excited for, for Sinister Sabotage. I think that if this is our cancel replacement, um, we'll, we'll be happy campers, happy control campers. <laughs> All right, our next card is Conclave Tribunal. This is white three enchantment, has Convoke. And when Conclave Tribunal... <laughs> enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent, and opponent controls until Conclave Tribunal leaves the battlefield. Yeah. Ah, four mana, exile. So it's our... It's, so wait, Cast Out is rotating. Cast Out is not rotating. Wait, sorry. Cast Down cast. is not. Cast Out is. Yeah, Cast yes. Out. Yes, yes, yes. Right, because that's another four mana exile. And then Ixalan's Binding is staying. Staying. So comparing this to Exile and Binding, I mean, the Convoke is nice, but I don't know that you're often needing to exile things on earlier than turn four, in which case, if you're having a four mana sorcery speed exile, 
you probably rather have binding. Well, I think that Ixalan's binding is better in uh, tap-out control decks. So I think that decks like uh, are, you know blue-white, like blue control decks, which want to hold up mana for counterspells, preferred cast-out if they're going to run one of those effects. But I think any other deck like black-white or... Uh, yeah, I mean, usually like black-white variants uh, or like tokens or decks with like a heavy controlling leaning, even like mid-range decks that were splashing white, like a snake or something, if mm. you were in an Obzon snake, I think you go where, with Ixalan's binding. Um, but I think that in a deck, in like a, if we think back to, so the last time that Convoke was, well, Convoke was never, you know, greatest, had two playable cards in standard, right? Stoke the Flames and Court of Calling, I think. But if we think of a deck uh, like, for example, in modern, uh, green-white, right? Green-white value town, which runs mana dorks. Right now we have land or else, right? Mm -hmm. So it runs mana dorks. It runs like a bunch of little guys that kind of add some value. You maybe make some tokens, etc. This card becomes, I think, like quite close to Path to Exile um, because oh, you're able true. to like... It's, you it's, actually don't even need any mana up, right? You just need a white creature. Right. It's not, it doesn't have flash, so like it's, yeah, it's yeah. only source for speed. But you're right. You can just tap four creatures and play this. Um, and I think that that cost reduction element of it, uh, like, this is a really niche card. Ixalan's yeah. Binding is better than this card unless you're playing it in specifically a, like, really creature-heavy deck, like a green-white heavy deck. Devotion-style, in, in standard at least, like devotion-style kind of deck where you have a, or tokens, you're playing a lot of tokens. Hmm. Um, then I think this card's great. Interesting. Yeah. Interested to see if that sees play. I mm -hmm. like it, but yeah. Yeah. It just need, it needs a, a the right home, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Next is Firemind's Research. This is blue-red enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a charge counter on Firemind's Research. Blue one, remove two charge counters from Firemind's Research. Draw a card. Uh, red one, remove five charge counters from Firemind's Research. It deals five damage to any target. What's your first impression of this card? All right, well, this is terrible and limited. Yes. Because, I mean, you never have enough instants or sorceries to make anything remotely like this good. Sure. Um, in Constructed, my first instinct is to compare it to Search for Escanta because it's a two-mana enchantment that goes in the control deck and hopefully accrues you value later, except Search gets you value the very next turn. And uh, this, you need to be... You need to cast at least two spells and then invest at least two more mana to get any value. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the card is horrible. I, it won't see any play. Um, like, so you mentioned the comparison of Search for Escanta and that uh, both of these cards are two mana enchantments that you play early and that don't do anything immediately. Search at least digs you through deck. This card does literally nothing. And... Like you said, for the, the first card, if you're drawing, that's that's four to just cantrip, which is, like, so bad. <laughs> it's so... And then you get to pay six mana to go up one card, and that's if you've cast four instants or sorceries. So it's also... I don't think it's good in control, because control... Like, this card wants you to be casting lots of instant sorceries right away to get as much value as you can immediately. Right. Whereas control's going to, like, sit there and doesn't really want to do anything, Right. So if you don't have to cast spells, you're not going to cast spells. It's a, it, I think this card is proactive instead of reactive. Value. Yeah. So, uh, and then the second thing, five, you have to cast five spells. Oh, that's it's, like completely... It's just absurd. Yeah, yeah. It's just not realistic at all. Unless we, we get another card spoiled that like 
completely changes how we read this or like can cheat these things this card is, is just trash okay so here's another question because i'm trying to i'm trying to have hope for it and find a home could it go in a storm deck like, in modern no no because it's the right colors they cast a ton of spells in a turn yeah they can keep fueling their turn by drawing cards and maybe if their other win conditions are gone they can deal damage mm-hmm. so uh the reason this doesn't go in storm is because uh storm is playing already a large number of one mana cantrips uh, right like so this, this is way worse is way worse and also and this is like kind of a small thing but all of storm's rituals make red mana um, yeah, and like you can metamorphose into blue and like hold up blue but they're generally more constrained on blue than red uh so like wanting to use a blue activated ability repeatedly is really awkward um and i'm not saying they couldn't like you know find a way to do that uh because like as we said the card is horrible like regardless <laughs> of that but that's just another random interesting tidbit um when i'm looking at this yeah yeah so no I don't, this will not see play in storm all right, next up is Amara, Soul of the Accord. This is white-green for a 2-2 legendary elf cleric. Can I just say again, like, I really like the new legendary border. It is so clear that yeah. this is a legendary creature. I think it really helps the the player casting these cards to make sure they don't put two into play at the same time. Yeah. And on the other side, if you're holding a cast down, which now cares about legendary, uh-huh. you are very aware that you cannot target things with that border. So Absolutely. Really like that. Um, yeah, so Amara. Whenever Amara becomes tapped, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token with lifelink. For any reason if she becomes tapped. Yeah. You can tap her to convoke, mm-hmm. for instance, which in a white Which is the deck. green white mechanic. Yeah. Or to crew, which mm-hmm. is probably not going to come up because I don't think we have any uh, vehicles. We right have now. vehicles in Ixalan. We have some pirate ships. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I meant any good vehicles. Sure. But sure. Yes. Um, and two for two two is fine. Yeah, I'm. I'm a fan. This. This is going to help you go wide. I hope. But she does die to literally everything. Yeah, I'm a little concerned that uh, she doesn't do enough. Uh, that, like, maybe you can play her because for two reasons. One. She's a two-mana legend, which is something that the hypothetical Mox Amber deck is looking for. So mm. if you want to do that, this helps. Second... Because Mox Amber makes mana only if you control a legend? A legendary creature, Planeswalker, yeah. Uh. So because it makes one of those colors. Um, right. So this gives Amber green-white. But like because of the nature of Moxen, you want to be able to get that mana fast. Like, that's the whole appeal. Right. And Amber stops you from doing that unless you can play a, a legend fast. Early, yeah. So I think that uh, one appeal of this is the Amber interaction. Another appeal of this is the synergy. I think if this card sees play, it's in a synergy shell because I think the power level is pretty low and it just doesn't do anything when it comes down. You uh, can... Wait, can you convoke with it that turn? You can. It could do something the turn it comes down. Right. It just Not seems turn a little sketchy that you'd be like, play this, convoke immediately, yeah. and still, like, still have mana like, if you're playing this early. If you're playing late, it's a lot less impressive. It feels like you want to be able to just like go hard with that, the yeah. synergy route. Like, if you It'd could be find sweet a way if there to. There's a way to untap it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. If you could tap and untap repeatedly then it becomes a lot better. And they've done this in the past, right? There's like Jeskai Ascendancy, where whenever you cast Insta Sorcery, you untap your board, 
and there's an aura retraction helix which let you tap and bounce something. So if we had that kind of interaction, you could make a huge board of 1-1 one, one soldiers with Amara. So it's possible she is just a combo engine um, yeah. and that we haven't and found And as we know, yet. Wizards likes to print combos in standard without realizing it. So it could be there. It could. It could. Keep your we eyes could, open. It could be a infinite combo with her for all exactly. we know. Exactly. Next, we have Quasi-Duplicate, which is blue-blue-one sorcery. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. And then next, we have... Uh, sorry, the mechanic that goes with this, that is also on the card, is Jumpstart, which is the is-it mechanic. You may cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to paying its other costs, then exile this card. So, I don't really know why it's called Quasi-Duplicate, because it it's definitely just... I mean, you're just copying it. It doesn't even yeah. have the like illusion clause that it no. like does if you target it. So it's you're just you're just duplicating. Yeah. Um, but it does. Okay. So also, it is a creature that you control because if you played was it M nineteen that there was that mimicking creature. Yeah. And I always thought it could copy yeah. my opponent's creatures, and I've seen other people try to do that. So you have to remember if you're playing this in the deck, you have to have creatures worth copying. Yep. Um. But yeah. Okay. So jumpstart though. What do you think of the jumpstart mechanic? So we'll talk about jumpstart jump start in a sec. Um, for quasi-duplicate, I want to hit on something you mentioned, which is it has to copy target creature you control. One of the appeals of um, clone effects is that you get to just get the best creature on the board. Right. And the th awkward thing, first about... So you look at something like Phantasmal Image, right? Mm -hmm. as it, it enters the battlefield as a copy of something. So on the stack, they can kill the best creature on the board, and then it's going to come down as the best creature on the board anyways, whatever that creature is. Um, not the one they just killed, but the next best creature. Uh, Quasi-duplicate, anytime you have a sorcery or instant-based replicate effect, if they kill it in response, you don't get anything. <gasps> so, like, and because it's target creature you control, now you also can't be like, oh, I'm going to copy your thing, then they have to kill it, and like, okay, they two-for-one themselves, fine. Right. Now it's like, copy my good creature. Oh, I lose my good creature, and my spell gets countered. So it's a really oh, big downside. Horrifying. Yeah. So I don't like these effects in standard. Um, these yeah. sorcery duplicate effects, I'm not a With fan the of. With targeting, especially. No. Jumpstart, on the other hand, I really like. Uh, I think people are kind of underrating it. People are saying that the mana cost is too high for these spells. Uh, we're going to see a couple more. Uh. The mana cost is too high for them. But I think Jumpstart is going to shine a lot in Limited, uh, where in the oh, late yeah. game... We've all been in there, You're right? drawing, like, crappy two-drops and Absolutely. lands and, like, things that you just had to put in yep. to fill your curve. And being able to do literally anything is awesome. Uh, being able to turn your your dead, you know, two-two, two-mana two-twos or lands or any of these bad cards into actual effects that are relevant is incredibly valuable. Like, yeah. looting is really good. Any kind of, like, anything like that in limited. So I think Jumpstart and Limited is really good. Uh, and I don't think we should be sleeping on that. In standard, it depends a lot on the card uh, because quasi duplicate is a pretty bad card. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's all there is to it. We I think for standard we have to kind of evaluate it one at a time um, because it's remember that it's not really card advantage. Uh, like whereas flashback is card advantage, um, jumpstart requiring the discard is not. It will often be the same kind of deal in standard but in standard you're also might just be likely to discard a random thing to like uh because the card in the graveyard is better or you might be motivated to discard something to synergize with something in the graveyard maybe you want something in the graveyard and i think that's going to be where we see more play as well mm. right so you want to put something into the graveyard and jumpstart provides a 
way that you can do this, right? Previously, like, uh, thinking back to, like, the blue-red Elder Deep Fiend uh, prized amalgam deck, right? You would use things like Tormenting Voice and Cathartic Union because not only did they filter you through and, like, draw you cards, but they also filled your graveyard. And this is the same thing. Not only does it do something, but it also puts stuff in your graveyard, which you probably want to do. Cool. All right, so don't play this card, but watch out for other jumpstart cards you can play. Yeah, especially, like, I would love to see, like, this is such a good opportunity for us to be able to play, like, Blue-Red or Jeskai in Standard because of Search for Iskanta with Jumpstart, right? It's, it's just, Search for oh, Iskanta is so good. Yeah, then you feel a lot less bad if you if you want to dump cards into your graveyard to flip Search. Yeah, you're just like, oh, save this for later. Yeah. It's incredible. That's it's cool. the same thing in, like, in Modern where you get to, like... We haven't really seen a ton of it because it's search is mostly in blue white or uh, Jeskai, but like if you're ever playing like Esper with Lingering Souls and you get to bin the souls mm. off the Escanta, yeah. be like, oh yeah, I didn't lose anything, right? Or in uh, Esper Gifts, where off Escanta you can dump your like Unburial Rites or your uh, Elish Norns or Reanimation Targets, Crystal Brands. So, yeah. Cool. All right, next we have uh, our first Planeswalker of the Ooh, set. Exciting. Uh, Rao. Is it Viceroy? It says red, blue, three for yep. a five, five loyalty. I was gonna say five, five. Yeah, <laughs> five loyalty planeswalker, and uh, legendary planeswalker. You yes, know, if you're not used to the legendary bull yet. Uh, so they don't give the legendary planeswalkers the cool black border though. No, they but they look the, pretty different. I was gonna say they already have the uh, <laughs> different border. They're of sorts. noticeably legendary. Yes. Yes. Good. Good point though. Um, yes, yeah, so plus one, look at the top two cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, the other on, into the graveyard, um, minus three, deal damage, uh, to target creature equal to the total number of instants or in sorcery cards you own in exile and in your graveyard, minus eight, you get an emblem with whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, this emblem deals four damage to any target and you draw two cards. Oh emblems are so fun they are fun right it's they always funny so to see much. like which random really flashy powerful in the game effect are we going to yeah. staple onto this uh, ultimate yeah. um so uh, I, the first thing i just want to point out um is uh I, you know they they wizards has found the successful model for five mana planeswalkers where planeswalkers five mana it comes in with four or five loyalty it has plus one draw card Minus three, kill something. Minus eight, win the game. Uh, and we've seen this in black with Obnixilis. We've seen it in mono blue with Jason Ralph of Secrets. We've seen it in blue white with Teferi. Now we're seeing it in blue red with is it uh, Ral? Is it Viceroy? Um, so it's an interesting to see. We know that like this builds right. All of the cards I just listed saw play. Uh, some of them were better than others. I think Teferi is obviously incredibly good. Ob was better than Unraveler, but Unraveler also saw a little bit of play in the Esper control deck at the end of that mm-hmm. format. Um, so that's just a good reference point, I think, when talking about the card. Um, and I also hope that, uh, you know, we continue to see more exploration with the Planeswalkers and we don't just stick to this kind of like tried and true design of Planeswalkers. But also, it's largely limited to the five mana like ones. I tried and true. <laughs> I, it doesn't bother it, me but it's, so much. It's, it, it feels boring, right? It feels like a rehash of something we've already seen a bunch of times. Like, when I look at Ral, I'm like, like it literally is draw, kill, win. And we can get into the details. Like, yes, it's a little bit different than the others. But, like, 
by and large, it is a like copy of the other five mana planeswalkers that that we've been able to see. Even Vivian Reed, right? Vivian Reed is five mana, comes in with four loyalty, plus one, basically draws you a card, minus three, kill something, minus eight, win the game. Like so, it yeah, they're up to four of them, right? So it's Vivian, Ob, Tefiri, Jace, and now Ral. Yeah, but they're all great. I I just don't agree. I I don't feel boring bored by them. I I think they're fun. They're in different colors. They have different details. They're different people. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't want to say that, like, I think they are just objectively boring. But I think that this kind of, like, cookie-cutter design where, oh, we're designing a five-mana planeswalker? Okay. How can we draw a card in the colors that we're in? How do we kill something in the colors that... Like... It's a very. It's Wizards is playing it very safe with them, and like they know that if we make a card that fits this design, it will be playable. Probably not too good. Probably not too bad. It'll be fine, and that's you know what they're going for. But I, you know, I think it's so important with Planeswalkers to continue to explore design space and try to find new interesting ways of building Planeswalkers, uh, because this is just kind of like there's nothing new about this card. Um, I thought Marif said, though, that the design space of Planeswalkers is surprisingly narrow. It is very narrow. It is very narrow. And I understand that what they're doing. Like, oh, we got to squeeze every ounce that we can get out of everything. Um, and, you know, also, we're only really talking about the five mana walkers, right? Mm. Uh, but it's just they've been so popular. And there have got to be other things that you can do with five mana Planeswalkers. Uh, like, because the, the other kind of, I guess, kind of complaint that I have is that the five mana walkers don't really have any synergy with themselves, right? Like, one thing, even in the Great Designer Search uh, that was, like, mentioned for Planeswalkers was, like, oh, uh, like, when they review walkers, they're, like, you want the abilities to synergize with each other. These five-mana walkers don't do that at all. Uh, like, minimally, typically, the pl- like pl- the ultimate sometimes synergizes with the plus one, where, like, Ob and Tefiri both had triggered abilities that trigger upon drawing a card and their plus one draws them a card. So it's like, sure, then you can... But, like, card advantage, killing, and winning. Like, there's, there's you know, there's got to be nicer, like, more interesting ways of designing Planeswalkers that, like, lead you to play a certain kind of game. Uh, like, Ashiok, for example. I always I know I always bring up Ashiok. Like, I think Ashiok was a fantastic design for a Planeswalker. It center, all of its stuff synergized with itself. It was really good. Uh, Nissa, Voice of Zendikar, great Planeswalker design, right? Where it ticked up, made plans, minus put counters on the things it just made. Uh, but you can use either one in isolation too, but they work really well together. Whereas all these five mana walkers, the plus one and the minus three, which are the two modes you're usually using, have nothing to do with each other. Uh, and like that, I, and like, again, re- te- te- technically RAL does, right? Because like, because it counts stuff in exile. So if you're taking up, milling your jumpstart spells, then casting your jumpstart spells, now they're in exile. So like, sure, Ral kind of triggers himself, but like, realistically, practically, most of the time, this design does not synergize with itself. Um, and that's that's all I'm saying, is I'd rather see something that's just like, a generic card that has no real, like, flavor with the character, no real, like, flavor with itself, and it's just like, how do we draw cards and kill stuff in the colors that we're in? And I would just like to see them uh, be a little bit more creative or uh, explore some more design space with this. All right. Uh, five minutes All right. Anyways, the plus one and the minus three do have more synergy than I'd realized because I didn't see that you put one in your hand, one in your graveyard. 
So it does help you fuel the minus three. Because mm-hmm. my, my concern with the minus three here is hopefully it is a destroy target creature, but um, I don't know how many instants and sorceries you think you're going to have in your graveyard in exile by turn five. Yeah. I mean, like, you're probably not really able to use this to turn it comes down to kill anything meaningful. Mm-hmm. So. And the, the sketchy thing to me is like, you know, and it's why, too, I don't really think of this as seeing super synergistic with itself because when you use the plus one and you're putting at most one instant in your graveyard, one instant in your graveyard, whereas, like, play Nyssa, and, like, her minus was great if you have creatures, which you're, you're going to because you played her in creature, creature decks. Voice into a card, the plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, whereas, like, the Viceroy, the minus three is, like, pretty bad. Right. Unless I mean, you're unless really you're like surveilling it. every turn and have somehow yeah. put a bunch of cards in your graveyard by turn five. It's just like turn five. I mean, if you're, I'm assuming that you're playing this on curve, but yeah. maybe you're not, <laughs> which maybe means it's just not. But then that it gets great. it gets right. It gets, it a lot gets worse, worse yeah. right? Because you like fairy slam on five, and like right. it's so good because then you untap the two lands, um, and it can kill something the turn it comes right. down. This you slam on five, you draw a card. Yep. And um, maybe you, like, kill their tutu. It's just so <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Like, also, um, let's say you play it. So if you play it in it, because there seems to be kind of two shells for this. So you play it in a control deck, right? If you play yeah. it in, like, a Jeskai or Blue-Red control deck, you realistically are, like, you might cast a spell either on turn one or two, but, like, probably not both. So let's say you have one spell there. Then a three and a four, so you're up to three things in your graveyard. So you get to play this for five mana, and you get to bolt. Right, so it, yeah, I think the baseline for this is two or three damage the turn on turn five, um, and then well, it not kinda... even bolt right because it only goes at creatures. But yes, yeah, you're right, creature. you're right. Um, it only hits a creature, so you can yeah. bolt a creature on turn five. And you're in blue, and then you're not holding up counter magic for their five or six drop, right. which is probably the turn when you still want to. Right. Whereas the other kind of shell for this, and this is the shell that I'm so skeptical of because I've never seen it work in any standard environment <laughs> ever, is like the blue red spells deck, right? It just doesn't work. Like, there's just not enough, like, good spells to, like, keep the gas flowing and impact the board and hit the face. And, like, how do you win? How do you play? Like, you can't play creatures, but, like, you're in standard. You need creatures or you control. Like, it's just so awkward. So, Rel, I think, is a fine planeswalker that might see some niche play. It is certainly not, like, of the cookie-cutter five-mana planeswalkers, uh, I would say. So, it's worse than, because, like, ranking the ones we have. We have Teferi, Vivian, Ob, Jace, right? This seems so, worse than all of them. I don't remember what I Jace think does, that, but I assume it's it sounds worse than all of them. I think Ob is great. So Teferi is number one. Yep, I agree. I think Ob is number two. And I think it's I think close with Vivian. Vivian's quite strong. And I think Jace is pretty eh, I don't pretty remember mediocre. what Jace did, but I think... Largely because Jace only bounced to the hand. He plus one to scry one, basically, and then draw a card. Uh, minus three was a bounce. So I think that still Ral sounds better than this. Yeah, Ral, just more dependable. I guess I think Ral might be a little. I might prefer Ral to, to Jace. Just because in the right it's deck. straight out kill instead of because it kills and because Hopefully I also kills. yep and also because the plus one is like for by and large strictly better than Unraveler's plus one, mm. uh, where you're getting to put actually fuel your graveyard as well. So and then the emblem, the emblem's kind of actually like disappointing. Right, like you when you still minus need eight, or you still need instants and sorceries. <laughs> like, 
And like, that's why I say, I think you want to be in a spells deck because this is a proactive emblem again, yeah. where it's like cast stuff, draw more spells, cast those, draw more spells. And you want to just go off, right? Like you want to storm off the turn that you cast Rel, uh, the turn that you emblem Rel. Um, so I don't know if that deck, it, like it doesn't feel like the spells deck, which ideally is probably pretty low on lands, wants to play a five mana Planeswalker. Yeah. All right. Is this playable in limited? Oh, totally. How many instants or sorceries do you need to uh, play this? Very, limited? very few. Really? Drawing two cards every turn is great. Drawing one card. I mean, you draw. So, like, you're drawing a card for the turn and then for with Ral, right? Oh, oh, I see. Yep. Per turn. So, sure. drawing like an extra card every turn is fantastic. Then the emblem is good. Like, presumably, you have some instant sorceries or something. Like, if you're in blue and red, you're going to have a higher count of instant sorceries because of the five colors, blue has the most instants and sorceries followed by red. So, you're going to have a higher density, anyways. So, you'll have some synergy here. You might pick off a creature and then you just get to draw on a card every turn. If I draw, if I have Ral and I can reasonably play it in a, like a blue red deck, even if I have to kind of splash it, I will happily do that. Okay. Uh, planeswalkers are, are quite good in limited, yeah. Uh, not not all. Who was the recent? Some of them are terrible. Who was terrible? Because there was yeah, one. Yeah, there was what Hotly. Oh yeah. Hotly Radiant Champion, Green White Hotly. Yeah, yeah, the Green White one. Because yeah, I was like, was the first Hotly was good. Yeah, it was the Green White one that was horrible. Yeah. It was, ugh. Okay. So next, this is reprint, right? This is a reprint. So this is Narcomoeba, but different art. But it's here's the, it's this some flavor here. Okay. Uh. Narcomoeba was originally play, printed in uh, Future Sight as okay. a future shifted card ah. from the future. But then it was reprinted in a master set. So it was never actually printed in like a standard right. set. So we got, we saw the future and then we saw like the future was reprinted <laughs> and this is its quote unquote first printing. Oh, that's cute. That's yeah, so funny. This is Narcomoeba's first Okay, printing. fun. All right. And, and uh, the flavor too, uh, originally Narcomoeba was from a different plane. Um, so, uh, the future site in Archimeda was not from Ravnica. Oh. So either the timelines changed Ooh. or, uh, there's just also Narcomoebas on Ravnica. Sweet. Yeah. All right. So I, uh, I'm going to read this cause I don't really know what this card does. Sounds but, good. Um, and, and maybe you don't either listener friend. <laughs> um, maybe you've never played against Dredge and Modern. Yeah. 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 I, I've played against it once i just don't remember anyways Narcomoeba so, is definitely like one of the lesser memorable depending on which deck you're playing yeah like you're like oh yeah you get a one i mean that's not the card that i was losing to. right it's like <laughs> oh you have prized amalgam and blood gassed, ah, yeah and conflagrate yeah oh, they had some really cheaty card it was yeah. very annoying anyways um blue white for a one one illusion creature has flying whenever narcomoeba is put into your graveyard from the library you may put it onto the battlefield that's it. Great. No. What? Oh, oh. Wait, well, you don't like it? Oh, well, I, like I mean, I guess, so it synergizes with Surveil and yes. Search for Ascanta. Yes, and any other self-mill. Yeah. I think that there's but a... it is a 1-1 one, one flyer. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, it, it's It's kind of like... So, like, think about, the like, the play pattern of Dredge, right? Where, like, when you're playing Dredge, like, yes, Narcomoeba is a 1-1 flyer, and, like, it doesn't really matter. But what happens is as the game goes on, you know, you have one Narcomoeba, maybe it hits for, like, three points, and then, oh, you have a second Narcomoeba, and now they're both hitting for one. And then, oh, it's this just this kind of, like, incidental tiny bit of value that's added on, and because it has flying, it's just irritating enough that you mm. don't want to spend a removal spell on it. So... 
I, I really think that in this format, we could end up seeing a Sultai deck, some kind of Sultai deck. So we've seen like, you know, the undergrowth surveil combination and like by and large, well, in the past at least, most of these keyword mechanics have one or two cards that end up getting played in standard and most of them don't. But I think they're suggesting uh, this like graveyard matters synergy and theme here. Yeah. Uh, and if we end up with a combo oriented version of this, then Narco Amoeba, or like a heavy synergy version, I think Narco Amoeba is kind of a shoe-in. Um, I've even seen discussions of running it in like a Nexus of Fate deck, where you're basically using like graveyard stuff to just kind of throw stuff on the board and block instead of fogs. So you just chump to protect a fury and then go uh. off of Nexus. Um, so that was, you know, randomly kind of interesting. But I, I think that uh, Narco Amoeba should not be uh, overlooked. Uh, well, again, it needs a very specific home. Mm-hmm. So it's a, we say this almost every spoiler season, right? There's always cards we go through and we're like, yeah, if this card has the deck, it will be like a four of, and you'll see it all the time. Right. Or you'll never see this card in standard ever. And probably worth picking up anyway, because you can sell it to someone who plays modern. Yeah, though I imagine this is at <laughs> rare. I, I don't I don't think that Narcomy was worth a ton to start with, so it'll definitely not be worth much anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, I do like the art. Yeah, the art is really pretty. Really pretty. All right, next is uh, a card with basically all of my favorite creature types. Yeah. This is uh, And all of my favorite like rules text. Oh great. Okay, I'll read the the outline, you can read the rules text. Okay. So this is Underrealm Lich. Green black 3 for a 4/3 zombie elf shaman. It's a zombie and an elf kid. You those can play like, it in both tribal decks. Yeah, those are two decks I've played and shaman of the pack is oh like just gosh. the best. Yeah, so That's awesome. All right, what what does this creature do though? If you would draw a card, instead look at the top three cards of your library, then put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Pay four life. Underrealm Lich gains indestructible until end of turn. Tap it. So, what, what are your thoughts? Let's. What are your thoughts on this? Well, this unrestricted card draw is pretty cheaty in green black. That's my first thought. Yeah. But um. So the the it's not card i mean it's replacement right it's it's not that you're drawing extra cards yeah okay, but you have to look okay, at the top okay. three sure, the sure, thing sure. that i think is like crazy about this is the same thing that you see in modern with dredge where they go cathartic reunion and they're like let me discard and then instead of drawing three i'm just gonna dredge a bunch right uh, and you dredge and then draw the dredger dredge and you like you fuel your graveyard enormously so if you get to play under realm lich like Yes, every turn you're milling two and picking the best card of the top three, which is incredible. But also, anytime you have something that's like, draw two cards. Now it's, look at the top six, pick two, and put the rest in your graveyard. That's a dig through time. Like, this card turns draw two into dig through, very close to dig through time. And I think that's incredible. Yeah, and fuels your graveyard, which I assume you have stuff going on Yeah, which makes it better than dig through time in that regard. The, The issues with it is that it's a five mana four three, which is not a great rate. Three toughness, not great, <laughs> um, and it doesn't do anything the turn it comes down unless you already have a way to draw cards. Right. But the pay for life gain destructible, I think is is very good, uh, and like we're gonna see how much play Vraska's contempt sees. Mm. Um, it's a really powerful magic card, and if we don't see another way to kill planeswalkers, then like it'll probably be really played. So like yes, contempt kills this. But the card, the power level of this card in this kind of graveyard synergy shell is really, really high. And if you're playing a more controlling bent mid-range deck, such as Green Black Delirium, um, then this is, I think, the card you're looking for. And uh, this is a mythic, one thing to note. Uh, and it was pre-selling for five bucks, and it's now up to eight. 
Um, so it's climbing a little bit. So. It, yeah, it's just really hard to know without seeing the rest of the set, what kinds of card draw yeah. and, and graveyard. It, it, it does feel, though, like it's, it's you know, not the same power level as the Scarab God, but the same idea as if you, like, yes, it doesn't do anything when it comes down, uh, but whereas Scarab God, if you kill it, it just comes back. This card, you need to specifically have Exile or you can't kill it. And then if you untap with it, it's going to feel like you start accumulating a lot of advantage because you, the, each draw step, your draw steps are going to be significantly better than your opponent's, and you're presumably playing this in a deck where you're taking advantage of your graveyard. So then you're getting all this extra advantage built in. So it feels like even if they do eventually kill it, you will have accumulated such a massive amount of advantage with one untap step that, uh, I, I don't know, it feels it feels playable. I don't know what the number is. It might be like a two of, but it, it feels playable if this deck comes together. And not even legendary. Not, not that that'll not matter. I mean, at this at this cost, you're not going to be playing that many. But yeah, it's nice. I really like it. It's very much my kind of. Car. I love grindy value cards, mm -hmm. like this with like Moldrotha. Oh, like I would love that. It'd be so good. Next is Legion War Boss, our new Goblin Rabble Master. So this is red two, for a two two Goblin Soldier. It has Mentor. Uh, so again, whenever this creature attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on target attacking creature with lesser power. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token. That token gains haste until end of turn and attacks this combat if able. So this is pretty close to Rabble Master, with the major differences being that instead of uh, pumping the Rabble Master, you're pumping the tokens. All your tokens are going to be 2-2s instead of Rabble Master being a 10-2, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so... We saw Rabble Master be kind of insane. Yep. Um, but part of the reason for that was because in that format, we were, had a lot of Sylvan Karyatid decks. Ooh. And Sylvan Karyatid could not kill Goblin Rabble Master. Uh, I think, did we have Lanor? No, we didn't have Lanor Elves. Uh, we, we had something else, I forget what it was, that was like a cheap drop that also didn't have two power that like couldn't kill it. Mystic? No, we didn't have a one-mana Doric, I don't, I don't believe. I think we might have had another two-mana, like, one-two or something. Beast card? Like a Voyaging Seder. Voyaging Seder, oh, was it? Maybe yeah. That. So there were just a, there was a lot of cards that... Wait, did you have an Elfin Devotion? You didn't have a one-mana Elf, did you? You had Elfin Mystic. Okay, so yeah, yeah you had Elfin Mystic as well. Yeah. So, like, Rabble Master would be able to kind of build the board, and in conjunction with each other, like, two Rabble Masters, they gave each other haste, right? Oh. And then... I think they gave each other haste. And then... uh you know, they both just became enormous. This doesn't do that. It definitely makes the two twos. Uh, and the other thing too <laughs> is that, that. yeah, um, this card does not have to attack. Whereas Rabble Master, I believe, I could be mistaken. I believe Rabble Master had to attack every turn. So this is giving you a free token every turn it sticks around. And whenever you have a safe attack, you get to swing and make it a two two. So uh, I think the card is like, pretty strong like if you're playing a red aggro deck i think this is your three drop uh one of your major three drops this and like chain, this whirler. And chain whirler yeah i mean chain whirler is also a goblin like you might just be getting to the point where you have enough goblins to make goblin matters like decent hmm. um, we'll have to see we'll have to get some more goblins in uh in boros but we have the two mana you know two one one goblins we have right. 
the Goblin Lord. Is that three mana? Or four? four mana, I believe. Trash four Master, much, right? But and yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. We have some Goblin Synergy, but this is just a good red aggro card. Uh, yep. The play pattern is a little bit different than with Rattle Master, but it doesn't change the fact that, like, it is strong. Rattle Master was a, like, format-defining card. Um, I remember still when it broke out, where, like, people were all of a sudden were playing four, and no one had ever, like, really played with it before, and you just watched people die on turn, like, five. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. this is not as good, but still very good because yep. Ravel Master was so exceedingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next, we have our reprints. Hooray! Katie, we're getting the Shocklands back uh, with some really pretty art. Oh, I really Steven's like some of these. Looks very like um, uh, lightningy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The steam. People joke. They're like, "Look, it's steam vents with no steam and no vents." But, yeah, the Siemens one. <laughs> but it does one, look very is it. It super has a lot of it. blue and red. Super is it. Uh, and I like the Temple Garden and the Watery Grave as well. Nice. Uh, Temple Garden, I think, is really pretty. But This is good to have a reprint, right? They're kind of expensive for modern. Yeah, they always kind of, they always dip when they're reprinted and they climb slowly back up. Uh, fetches are much more expensive than shops. Yes. But, uh, yeah, shops are always good to have reprints. Um, in standard, I really like... So a while ago, we had the shock land, check land, mana base and standard, and it was great. It let you play, like, your mana was good, but not too, too good. Um, and it was, it, the shock lands are just great. They also are nice because now you're going to have, all your lands can come in untapped if you want them to, mm. but then there's a trade-off, right? Because if you're playing a bunch of shocks and you're playing against an aggro deck, you have to maybe think, rethink that. Rethink, like, are you shocking say, yourself? This is going to help our, our red decks. Yeah, absolutely will. And, you know, you might have been sad when, like, you were playing Canyon Slew Tapped, but you were kind of happy when it cycled in the late game. This card, your choice is different, right? Is right. tapped or you take two. And if you're playing, like you said, in red aggro deck, that you don't want to take two and you can't cycle it away in the late game. So, <laughs> yeah, so Shocks, uh, they're back. Great, we're excited. Man is good. We also have the Guild Gates back. Uh, we've seen Golgari Guild Bait, uh, Guild Gate. I think is the only one we've seen, but it implies certainly that uh, the others will be reprinted as well. So we'll be interested to see whether we get um, some Gate in. Matters cards. Oh, so I don't think I don't actually. As much as it pains me to say, I don't think we're going to get Mazes End because Mazes End was specifically tied to uh, the like Dragon's Maze thing with the Maze Runners. Uh, and so I don't think we'll get it. But if we did get it, you could scapeshift Maze's End in standard. Oh, I forgot scapeshift is standard legal. You could like ramp to 10 or 11 or whatever, and then just scapeshift and get all of your gates and your Maze's End and win the game. Uh, so that would be super cool. Uh, they could have a different kind of gates win, win con card, which you could also use with scapeshift, but. Uh, we'll see. Gates are cool. They're also great fixing for the limited format, so good to have them at, uh, what are they at? Uncommon? Common? Common. Wow. Yeah, common. You're going to get a lot of gates. It's impressive. Okay. All right. Uh, we have Murmuring Mystic. This is blue three for a 1-5 wizard. Human wizard. Mm -hmm. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-1 one, one blue bird illusion creature token with flying. This is fine. It's a lot like Talrand, right, which is the... A uh, rare creature for I think three that whenever you cast an sorcery, you create a Drake, a two-two Drake. Back in oh. like, I think it was a core set or something. Maybe it was like maybe it was a Jeskai card. I don't remember. But uh, 
this card is a nice fun build around um i like that it has such high toughness so it gets yeah. to like kind of block and just let you try to do execute this game plan but uh it's certainly slow and a little underwhelming and requires a lot of instances and sorceries which is a hard thing to do in limited so i don't rate this card too highly yeah next is uh, radical idea which is blue one instant draw a card and jumpstart draw another card yeah so straight up like cycling for something in the late game yeah people have to be careful i think because this card uh kind of evokes a recalls the card think twice which was blue one draw card flashback blue two so that card is good because it's card advantage this card is not card advantage this is cycling and then cycling later but given that in limited cycling lands is good in constructed cycling lands can also be good um what you could end up seeing is again that this card primarily exists for its jump start where this is just a way to put cards into your graveyard for two and not go down on card advantage, right? So if you ever end up with this in your hand, you're like, eh, just cycle it away. And that way later, you're, when you need to, you can jumpstart, discard whatever you want in your graveyard, and then just replace it. Um, or just for utility, right? Like, uh, like I'm digging to stuff, like, oh, and you're using your graveyard as a toolbox, and you say, oh, well, uh, I have a radical idea, so I'm able to cycle through more of my deck. And I have a radical stuff. idea. I Let's do. look through more of my deck. That's crazy. Radical. So radical. Uh, yeah. Next up is Healer Hawk. This is white for a 1-1 one, one flying lifelink bird. Would you play in Limited? Man. I wish we had Min here. Min would tell us. Whether we yeah, should play man, it. Do you play this? I, I think that uh, I feel like one one's so bad. We, but we've it's typically a bird. seen the one mana one ones be pretty poor, even with flying. Yeah. But lifelink. I mean, so it's a two point life swing. No, no, no. You throw an equipment on it. Okay, yeah, no, I know. If you can get an equipment on any flyer, it's amazing. Yeah, but this one's really good to put on. Yeah, just because it's uh, I, I, lifelink. Yeah, so I lean toward no. Um, I think that you have to be pretty aggressive to want to play this card. Either pretty aggressive or pretty like. I'm going to be playing this kind of, like, bogley game. Or um, desperate. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, like, generally, one mana, one ones are not worth a card. Uh, even like, I if wouldn't they want have a card. Even if they have yeah. two. Because whatever this is doing, it might feel good. You can deal three points, gain three, and then it's just going to become completely there. irrelevant. So yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of this card. Yeah. Unless you're very aggro or bogley. Next, we have Direct Current. This is Red Red 1, Direct Current, Sorcery. Deals two damage to any target, and it has jump start. Yeah, uh, I think this card is reasonable and limited. Not great if it was an instant, it'd be a little better. This is what people are saying. They're like, "Oh, like the jump start shock is three mana. Like it's so bad, three uh, mana sorcery." But jump start's really good, and like I, I think I might play some copies of this in limited, depending on how the you know creatures end up shaping up uh, with toughness. Yeah. But being able to like late game shoot your opponent for two those last two points right clear I mean, out a blocker right clear out a blocker even if like you can't quite kill something like you might remember this in your graveyard deal an extra two points like in a you know uh, a combat scenario mm -hmm. like yeah and just like you know it's nowhere near as strong but thinking about cards like this like cut to ribbons right cut uh, to ribbons in standard is a is so hard to play against because you're playing you're like oh like you have to say, okay, what's my life total? What could I go down to? Like, how, it changes how you block. It changes how you attack. And the existence of this card in your graveyard, much weaker than Cut yeah. to be clear. 
but will have a, some version of that same kind of effect on opponents. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also one other jab at the card. It depicts Tesla coils, and it's called direct current, but uh, Tesla coils are alternating current, so... Whoops. It's a little awkward. I, I assume their Tesla coils will look kind of like Tesla coil-y. Uh, next is Arboretum Elemental, which is green, green, seven for a seven, five convoke with hexproof. Oh God. Yep. Wizards will not learn. Like just get rid of hexproof. Honestly, hexproof, like when you need it, you can write it out on the card, but this is just, it's, it's terrible. Like I've always said hexproof on creatures that are too small is completely irrelevant and on too big makes them completely unbeatable. And in the middle, like, they don't even generally put it on the middle. Like, there's no good spot for Hexproof. Yeah. Uh, like, just get rid of it. This card is going to be really strong. You're going to play it for four mana, five mana, and it's going to be impossible to kill. Your opponent's going to have to trade, like, three of their creatures for it. Yeah. And if you is... have any tricks, like, oh, too bad, sorry. Oh, my gosh, I know. Can you imagine if they do a trick when you finally... Yeah. Or if you put, like, like um, you know, people were throwing... What's that flying enchantment? Sarah's on wings to... on Sarah's wings. Yeah, on the horse. Yeah, vine mare. I'm like, what? What am I supposed to do against a life linking flying hexproof vine mare? Yeah. Like my deck can't answer that. It does not. Very few decks can yeah. answer that. Hexproof does not lead to fun gameplay because it's it's forbidding interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Which like games of magic that people want to play are interactive, interactive. games like, so literally people are like well that game was interactive that game wasn't very interactive yeah like, it's often an access evaluate. along which you decide how fun games were yeah so this is just an unfun card and an unfun mechanic i mean so. the good news is it's not trampley like yep. carnage tyrant so you can chump it for a bit but yeah it's and huge. like it's one fewer toughness than carnage tyrant but i mean even vine mare with three toughness well the black claws matter. well yeah and if we're doing a constructed though like Tyrant is so good because it can't be countered, right? And it has hexproof, yeah. like in conjunction with each other. Yeah. And Vine Mare is cheap and has hexproof and can't be blocked by our creatures. Where like be... I don't think this card's gonna see playing constructed, but no. in limited, it's like just, it's just stupid. Suck. Yeah. Next we have uh the return of split cards as well as kind of a mechanic return. I don't think I've ever played with split cards this way. Oh really? In a, in a standard format. And I've never yeah. played one in a modern, but I know okay. they're in modern. Yeah, they're fun. They're super flexible. Um, so we have... And these are, you say, and in between. And, yeah. So we have status and statue. So the thing they're doing this time is instead of having, like, things that actually go together, like hide and seek, um, we're getting... Because that's the former naming convention. We're getting cards that share the first several letters. So status and statue uh, is uh, what Mara said that they're doing this time. All right. So uh, we have status, which is hybrid green black now this is also a kind of returning mechanic uh oh i love hybrid, hybrid mana. mana yep so you can pay either oh, a green mana. or a black to pay for status this is instant target creature gets plus one plus one and gains death touch until end of turn and statue which is black green two instant destroy target artifact creature or enchantment to be clear these ones do not have fuse so you cannot cast both of them you must choose one when you cast it um, though if you find a way to flash these back from the graveyard uh, you can cast either one depending on like how your card is worded, but like Torrential Gear Hulk could cast either of these. It's so hard not to love this because of the flexibility. Yep. Like you can give something Death Touch and plus one plus one, which means it might turn into like a removal spell. You might win a combat. Um, 
you can destroy a creature. You have the flexibility to throw an artifact and enchantment destruction without mm-hmm. like making it a useless card in your deck if they don't have those things. Yeah. I really like this. I think it's funny. I, I, I like that you're like, oh, like, I love the, you know, because I think a lot of uh, newer players tend to underrate split cards uh, mm-hmm. or modal cards because they're like, oh, but these all these effects are like, they're too bad for the cost, right? But you're not right. counting for the flexibility. Right. And the flexibility and that's true is true by itself. Valuable. Yeah. Like, the cost is, you would never play just the status. I mean, you might, actually, in Limited. Yeah. But in, in Limited, I think the card is fantastic oh, yeah. because both modes are fine in Limited and, like, the flexibility to choose one is just awesome. Yeah. Awesome. But I think this is constructed at least sideboard playable. Depending yeah, on yeah, you could you like. could see you could see something like that. I'm sure there'll be split cards to see play in standard, yeah. uh, and this could be one. I'm a little skeptical. Um, the fact that the statue is instant is good, uh, and like status is super cheap. So like I like that there's a powerful thing that's a little little expensive, but then also something really cheap that you can use. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Next up is Rosemane Centaur. Oh yeah, there are roses in his mane. Very that nice. That one is really pretty. Wow. Can I just comment and say that like I love the whole Ravnica in the fall, Ravnica in the autumn. That's what it is. Yeah, art fall. style. Yeah, because the they want to really like hint at this kind of like foreboding, like things are coming to an end, like thing. Because you know, this is going to end with Bolas in the third set, right? Coming what? to the Ravnica. I know, shocking. So this whole like Ravnica is kind of cold and. There are things that are happening, and it's a little eerie. One of the artists actually said it was they had to be careful to differentiate it from Innistrad uh, because mm. the art style was starting to move toward toward Innistrad. So I love the art. The, I love the color palette, palette of like autumn, and uh, yeah, this rosemary center is really pretty. Yeah. So this is a white green three for a four four centaur soldier has convoke and vigilance. Looks like a solid limited card to me. Would play unlimited. Absolutely. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, we have Barging Sergeant, which is red four for a four two haste with mentor. Can we call him Barge Sarge? Barge Sarge. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Barge Sarge. Oh my gosh, that's great. Uh, and he's a Minotaur key. I know. You know, I was just noticing that, and I love Minotaurs, but he is so bad. Uh, I think he's a little better than you were giving him credit for. Ugh. I think that in an aggro deck, uh, I think like red he's white five mana. Doesn't matter. We played five mana aggro cards in aggro decks sometimes and limited not ones oh oh oh, oh. i'm not thinking about standard yeah he's not playable in standard but in limited yeah i guess i might play this in limited but i hate four twos and it's a five but he's gonna he's gonna trade with a creature and then he's gonna make one of your other creatures bigger yeah and they really are they really do want to trade the first turn is he fantastic no is he like a niche kind of role player in the right deck yeah sure he dies to shock but Hey, you know right what? Now, You're an aggro deck. Three mana, so. That's right. That's right. It's sorcery. Three mana yeah. sorcery. So you get into. Yeah. Next we have hammer dropper. Hammer time. Which promptly needs to be edited to uh, put a mic in his hand instead. Yeah. Um, drop the mic. And like sunglasses on his face. Oh yeah. This is a uh, red white two for a five two with mentor. Okay. This I mean, one I'm much lower on. Yeah. But because of the lack of haste. Haste. Yeah. Because like even though it's, it's interesting because one... they're swinging on the same turn. You yeah. Realize. But, like, this is one... Well, yeah. And it has one more power. The curve would so. be incredible. Curving Hammer Dropper into barging, Barge Sarge, I think, is really decent. So, yeah, this could... And it hits really hard. And, yeah. like, Boros is the aggro. Yeah. 
Maybe you could play it. I, I think I like it less than Barge you, Sarge, but I think that it's still playable. I think if you like Barge Sarge, you have to like this about the same, because in limited, like, how I could be often? playing a hasty, four, a four, four mana hasty boy, instead of a four mana do nothing boy. Okay. Maybe. I mean, this lets them untap, kill it with, uh, with three mana shock, and then yeah. pats. Yeah. But, anyway, yeah, the cards... This is, like, a really interesting thing to me about Mentor, is because because the other creature needs to have lower or lesser power, you have these weird Mentor creatures that have really high power and very low toughness in order to make them not too strong. Yeah. I think people are... I think Mentor is pretty good and pretty fun to play with. I think I like that's I don't know people are looking at it like oh it's, it looks so boring I think it's gonna be pretty interesting well I like I mean and we've had this discussion ourselves like I like mechanics that encourage people Me to too. attack Me right too. they encourage the game state to move forward and change and for right. people to I mean sometimes in, in red white certainly take risky plays yes. and aggressive plays you don't want to encourage players to just sit hold back, back and sit there until someone that's... gets their hexproof flyer right. and kills you with it that's a boring game you always want to try to get as Maro says you want to try to get to get players to the where the uh, get the game to go in such a way that the correct thing to do is also the most fun thing to do mm. so that typically is attacking and making risky plays right yeah. it's like fun and like oh what's gonna happen so if that's the correct thing to do then like great mentor, so, totally mentor yeah absolutely yeah. that's why i like raid as well yep. Raid is one of my favorite mechanics. oh raid is great yeah next we have unexplained disappearance this is blue one instant return target creature to its owner's hand surveil one so I know you're always sort of torn on these. I always hate them. Really? I, I thought <laughs> I, I thought you had a little bit of like okayness because like it can blank a removal spell on your yeah, own creature. I just like I. But you do have to recast. And this is like I'm not saying I'm right. Uh, this is like personal bias because in my like in my mind, especially from playing blue, a card that is not card advantage like that puts myself down a card is something so I'm bad. so reluctant to do. <laughs> But unexplained, right, this is the staple blue one, bounce a creature, tack on the uh, the set's ability onto it, right? Yeah. So the fact that you're scrying, you're, like, getting half a card is nice. Makes a little bit up, makes up a little bit for this. Um, you know, these cards can protect your creatures from removal, cool. If you're playing a tempo game, it can bounce. Like, usually this is just ends up being, like, oh, I'm in colors that don't have removal. Like, I guess I'll play a bounce spell. And that's Whoops, fine. Their bad thing came, or their good thing came back. And, and bounce me. can be really good if you're playing like tempo. Like bounce is great because it's cheaper than removal, but it does the same thing. Right. As far as you're concerned, uh, I just don't usually play that style of deck. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have a really nice thing for limited deadly visit. Black yeah. black three sorcery destroy target creature surveil two. Yeah. So this is our new lich's mastery, but uh, has lich's surveil caress. two. Caress whatever. Yeah, mastery is uh, mastery can't is much game. more exciting. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I like unconditional removal and limited. I also really like the art because I'm just like, oh no, there's like this person behind a curtain with a knife, and you're like, they're coming for you, watch out. Yep, he should have surveilled himself, I guess, uh. Uh, instead. <laughs> yeah, the card is good. You know, block removal is good. The end. Yep. Uh, Sonic Assault is blue red one instant tap target creature. It deal, uh, Sonic Assault deals two damage to that creature's controller and jumpstart. Huh. I guess this is in the same sort of tempo. Yeah, I just think, I actually do think this card is too expensive. Like, this is not for standard, right? So this, you're playing this in limited. Oh, for standard, yeah. Right, so you're playing this in limited. And, like, looking at limit, three mana to tap something. 
and deal two damage. And shit, that's face. But it doesn't it doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think it's not good enough. Even with a jump start, I think it's not good enough for uh for limited. And our is this our last card? No, we have what one more? Oh we have a couple. No, that's Oh, we only yeah we have one more card after this okay uh mood mark painter is black black two for a two three with undergrowth when mood mark painter enters the battlefield target creature gains menace and gets plus x plus o until end of turn where x is the number of creature cards in your graveyard i really like this card oh that seems very good yeah it reminds me of um there was a card back in like i don't remember which block it was it was a three mana one i think it, it was maybe it was ixalan where it gave ETB and it like gave a vampire plus two plus zero in menace or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and I thought it was really good. I enjoyed playing it. Yeah, I think I this did card too. is similar. Four mana for a two three is a little eh, but it's like the ability is pretty good and like you want to be attacking. I think like you want to be a little more aggressive with in a black deck mm-hmm. if you're playing this. So seems right at home there. I love these kinds of effects where you make like a menace creature big for a turn because on the other side you have to think like can I afford to take this hit? Because next turn, it's going to go back to being a normal creature that I can block. Right. Um, Chaining these is always fantastic. Oh. Right. Yeah, then it feels bad. Yeah. And our last exciting card of the day is Wari Okapi. Green 2 for a 3-2 with Vigilance. It's an antelope. It is an antelope. What do you think, Katie? It's a common. It's a common. (laughs) Katie, if you had this in your pool... Would you play this card? If I needed a three drop. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Two toughness on a three mana card always feels a little bad, especially if that card has no evasion yeah. Who cares abilities. About vigilance Vigil- on a three two. This is gonna die the first time it swings. Because yeah, like it's vigilance is best when it attacks well and blocks well. Yeah. You're never blocking with this card ever. Yeah. You're like three. Oh, it died. Or if you're, it gets through, you're like, they attack back, and you're like, oh, I can't tr- profitably block. Maybe you trade with something. Yeah, you play this if you need a three-drop. Like, it's one of those vanilla kind of hole fillers in, in your deck. So, nothing too great. So, I think that's it, Katie. Yep. Thanks, guys, for everyone for listening. I uh, hope you tune back in tomorrow. I, and we'll be back as spoiler season begins in earnest tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, thanks again to New England Comics, who you can find at NEC Coolidge on Facebook, and to Flipside Gaming, who you can find on flipsidegaming.com. I'm Ryan. I'm Katie. And, and this, this is Spoiler, Spoiler Season. Season.